Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby. During the month of July, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, and I are bringing you the podcast version of our 20 questions about the Browns. Every weekday, we'll have a post from one of us on cleveland.com slash Browns answering a question about the team as we head into training camp at the end of July. We'll also have accompanying podcasts each day where the three of us will discuss the topic. We cover everything from Baker Mayfield's accuracy to who will start at right guard. So make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, and don't forget to check out Football Insider. It's our subscription service where Mary Kay, Scott, and I will text you throughout the day with the latest on the Browns. News, analysis, what we're thinking and hearing, and more. And the best part is you can text us back and we'll text with you directly. It cuts through the clutter of social media. It's another way to connect with us as we cover your favorite football team. We also hold events with our team of writers that includes Terry Pluto and Doug Maurice exclusively for our subscribers. We held a virtual draft event the week before the draft this year, and we also held a virtual event where we talked all things Baker Mayfield. You probably heard both of those on the podcast, but if you weren't a Football Insider subscriber, you didn't get to participate and have your voice heard because these events are only open to our football insiders. If you want to check it out, you can get a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com slash browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. Football Insiders, $3.99 per month after your trial expires. Or better yet, you can just text 216-208-3965 to get your trial started. Again, to get that 14-day free trial started and see everything that comes with your subscription, text 216 208 3965. Now, let's get to our question for today. And today's question, Scott, is Which offseason departure will the Browns? Ah, crap. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Missed most. Okay. Sorry about that. All one right, more time. Go. All right. Here we go. One more. Three, two, one. And today's question, Scott, is. Which off-season departure will the Browns miss the most? Okay. Browns got rid of a lot of people this off-season, brought in a lot of new faces, particularly on defense. Uh, which player will they miss the most? I think the obvious choice, the first choice that a lot of people might pick would be Joe Schobert, uh, pro bowler. We saw him in a pro bowler form here. Didn't have a great season last year, um, but still he's a veteran linebacker in the middle of the defense that kind of ran things, and now – the Browns have to figure out who's going to take over that role. 
but he's not my pick. Oh, my pick is actually going to be, yeah, I threw you a curveball there. <laughs> my, my pick is actually going to be Demarius Randall. I think having that guy at the back of the defense, you know, he obviously played really well in 2018. Everybody was talking about the contract extension possibilities. And he, he had a pretty good season last across the board. He was probably the most consistent player in the defensive secondary for the Browns, both from like a run defensive standpoint, coverage, tackling. He played well. Um, and I think that's the kind of guy that they're really going to miss, especially when you think about how they're only going to have two linebackers on the field, probably similar to last year. You're going to have more safeties and you want somebody back there who's kind of running the show. Randall had experience here, get experience with the people around him. Now you've got, an entirely different group back there who is going to be working with a shortened, uh, you know, ramp to the season. And, you know, whether it's Carl Joseph or Andrew Sandejo or um, if it's Grant Delpit, um, you have somebody back there who's totally new and trying to get everybody on the same page on the defense. So I think Demarius Randall, um, he might be a guy who they're going to miss the most. That's a good one. Speaking of Andrew Sandejo, I on a, a show the other night on the, the Les Levine show, I called I referred to him as, as uh, Anderson Varejo. So <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> I turned him into a cat, a former Cavs player. So, anyways. so that, that would be that would be interesting to see uh, to see Andy back there playing. <laughs> I, I am I'm going to use that at some point this season. <laughs> I'm going to drop that joke in somewhere. I just got to pick the right time. I couldn't place the, the name. I just couldn't say it, and that's how it came out. So that was kind of funny. I started cracking up on the show. Sorry about, sorry about that, Les. But, uh, yeah, this is an interesting pick, Scott. This is a really, really interesting pick with Demarius Randall. Um, because Demarius, we all love Demarius because he's just a great quote. And I think they kind of replaced, uh, you know, his lips with Grant Delpit's lips. So I think, you know, I think we kind of, uh, you know, I think it was six of one, half a dozen of the other there. Uh, but yeah, he, he brought a lot to the table. He was a very, very solid player, big playmaker. He had some, some drawbacks and that was, you know, I think that he, you know, he's a little bit of a, or at least coaches will tell you, uh, that, you know, he can be a little bit difficult, you know, during, you know, practice or in the locker room or whatever, because he's kind of his own guy. I mean, he, he marches to his own drummer. He doesn't care what people think of, of what he says. He's going to speak his mind. And, uh, you know, sometimes people don't like that. You know, they find it to be a distraction or whatever. But I think he did bring some of that, that element of, of swagger. We're not going to take any crap from you. And I think he did set the tone a little bit in the back end. Well, it's funny you mentioned Anderson Barajal in basketball. <laughs> I mean, Demar Demarius is a big basketball fan. He's a big NBA fan, right? I think he played basketball, too, in, in high school. I mean, a lot of these guys did, but, you know, Demarius was a big basketball guy. Um, and he kind of brought that NBA. I was kind of just the way he approached us and the way he is on social media. It, it's kind of how a lot of NBA players are. He's kind of got that personality, just, you know, outspoken. Uh, he, he's not going to mince words. He's, he's going to say what he wants to say. And, and he doesn't really care. Uh, you know, and I hope it gets a lot of likes on Twitter and Instagram and, and all of that. And he sort of had that mentality. But, you know, let's not forget that in 2018, he really did thrive in that Greg Williams defense, even though he had some harsh things to say about Greg Williams when the Browns played the Jets uh, in 2019. He really thrived as that deep safety. Uh, when the Browns really needed him, John Dorsey went out and made that trade. I, I mean, it was a great trade. And 
I thought he was really good that year. Last year was a, was a tough year for a lot of reasons. Um, I think when he was right and he was healthy and he wasn't being left home for that trip to Pittsburgh, I thought he was, I thought he was fine. He wasn't as good as he was in 2018, but I, I thought he did a nice job. But this is a guy that not that long ago, going into last season, we were talking, how much are the Browns going to pay him? I mean, an extension was, was legitimately – you know, on, on the table at, at one point with this guy. And, and it just sort of changed over the course of, of last season. Yeah, it was, it was kind of a – it was a year that, that we really didn't get to see the full picture of what that defensive secondary could be like because not only was Randall uh, – his season kind of shortened. It was – Morgan Burnett played eight games. And he had a good season too. I mean, he's somebody you could consider as a big loss – now, I don't know if you'd want him coming back at his age, coming off a, an injury that cost him half the season. But, but last year, I don't know that we really got the full picture of what those two could do together, you know, um, healthy and in sync the whole time. You know, Demarius Randall was another one of those players that got himself into the doghouse of Freddie Kitchens. As you, as you mentioned, Dan, he was left home for a game, an important yeah. big football game. When something like that happens, you know that that player is probably not coming back. Now, once they did the, you know, the regime change and the coaching change, some of these guys had new life breathed into them, like Richard Higgins and David Njoku, the other two big doghouse guys. Uh, but it didn't happen for Demarius Randall. Uh, I think that, you know, he did wear out his welcome. And, uh, you know, for, for the money that he was going to be able to get elsewhere, the Browns just really were not willing to pay that. It was time for them to move on. I, I don't know if he didn't really fit their sort of – uh, you know, the, the profile, the, the character kind of guy that they're looking for. But once again, as, as we've mentioned, we all really liked and appreciated Demarius. He was great for us. He was fun to cover. And I think out of anybody, we, we will miss him the most. <laughs> he's he's going to be a great fit in Las Vegas. I, I think he signed a one-year deal there. So obviously, I mean, that tells you too, this is, he, he only got a one-year deal elsewhere. Um, but he's going to be great in Las Vegas. He's like the perfect... He's like the perfect Raider, especially in that first year that they moved to Vegas. And I, I just know that I'll never forget after games, just seeing him sitting in that locker room, win or lose. I mean, yep. just waiting for us. And then mm -hmm. he'd, go, he'd go take a shower and then he'd wait for us again. <laughs> he, was, yep. he was always ready with a quote and he'd give you a good one. And then he'd just stare at you like, all right, what have you got next for me? He was, uh, <laughs> yep. he was, a, he was an absolute gem uh, for us, at least. Mary Kay, who do you have? You know, I'm going to go with the obvious. I like the fact that, that Scott throws us a lot of curveballs and he makes sure that he never goes with the obvious. I always go with the obvious. <laughs> so um, that would be Joe Schobert. I mean, you know, Joe Schobert was super solid in the middle of that defense. Now, he did have his tackling issues. We all know that. But he was a field general. He, made, he makes the calls. He was super solid. You know, we will always remember Greg Williams and Blake Williams just raving and raving and raving about Joe Schobert and how smart he was and how he's another coach on the field and how he gets guys lined up everywhere. The truth of the matter is they watched a really good football player walk out the door. There's no denying that. The Jaguars are ecstatic to have him and very happy to have him at $10.5 million a year. To them, that was a bargain to get that kind of a player that Pro Bowl player for that kind of money. So the truth of the matter here is the Browns just did not want to allocate that much money to that position. They don't care that much about linebacker this year. It's kind of obvious in terms of 
it's sort of an analytics thing. It's cost versus premium of the position or the value of the position. And to them, middle linebacker, that's not $10.5 million a year to them. It's just not. So they went cheaper there. They went younger around the position at, at all the different spots at linebacker. And to them, Joe Schobert just wasn't going to be worth that kind of money. But most coaches that would watch film, uh, I would think that they would say, yeah, we would like to have Joe Schobert at that, at that kind of money if you can swing it. I don't know how Joe Woods felt about it, but I would have to think that he would have welcomed having a Joe Schobert on the football team. I, again, I don't know how that worked out, but most coaches like a super solid player like that that just gets the job done consistently. I'd be interested to see or to know if the Browns would have tried to keep him if he was coming off his Pro Bowl season uh, instead of the season that he had last year. He was uh, pro football focus graded him as, I think, the top coverage linebacker in the NFL uh, two years ago when he was a Pro Bowler. So I, that would be hard to pass up, uh, especially now when you know that you, know, you went out and you got a, a safety first coverage skills when, when you uh, – you have somebody in Mac Wilson who might get on the field largely because of his coverage skills. Um, you know, I, I don't know if they would, would have let him walk, but again, like you say, the money, it comes down to money and what they want to allocate for that position. Um, and coming off a season that really wasn't that great for Joe Schobert, um, it's probably made it a little easier to let him go. And, and I, th you know, Schobert was always a little weird to kind of evaluate because you know, we all kind of knew how smart he was, and he was the quarterback of that defense. I mean, just ask Blake, Blake and, and Greg Williams to uh, talk all about him, and they'll tell you about that. Uh, but I do think there – I mean, there were obvious flaws in his game too. You know, there, there were times when he was really good, and last year he kind of had that stretch where he forced a bunch of turnovers. But he also wasn't the most sound tackler. <laughs> and uh, he, he wasn't necessarily the guy that, that you, you know, kind of ran downhill and made plays in the run game. And if that's sort of what the Browns value at linebacker and Mary Kay, we don't know what they value at linebacker, but it seems like you said, it's not a position they want to spend a lot of money on right now. Uh, he, he just maybe doesn't fit into that. And the other, the other part of Schobert too, is this is a guy that's playing linebacker at what, 225, maybe 230. I mean, that was part of his story is he lost a bunch of weight to go from outside linebacker to move the middle linebacker and be more athletic. And you do kind of wonder even though this guy didn't miss a snap for a long time and, and has been relatively healthy, you wonder how long, you know, that, that sort of frame can hold up playing middle linebacker going against runners in the, in the AFC North. I, I know that's sort of a, um, it, sometimes that can be a little bit of a, a dated way to look at it, but the AFC North is kind of back to being a fierce running division. When you look at, you know, the Ravens and the Bengals and of course the Browns too, they're, they're kind of back to that. So uh, you know, that's six games a year where you've got to be able to go up there and get in that hole and tackle the running back. Well, B.J. Goodson, uh, the, one of the guys who ha is a candidate to replace him, actually ranked a little bit higher by PFF in tackling. Now, he did not have near as many reps as, as Joe Schobert had, but he actually, when he was out on the field, tackled pretty well, and he prides himself on that. So, you know, that might, be, might have been one of the key factors there is that you can uh, shave a lot of money off the, the salary cap by letting Joe walk, signing someone like a B.J. Goodson, and then adding again in a, a Jacob Phillips, uh, you know, that can also contend at the position. And you've got other guys that, that will challenge there. 
but you know, they say they, I feel like they think they saved themselves some dollars and that they might not be out that much if they can plug BJ Goodson in there and have him get the job done. And uh, I'll say this, I was a Joe Schobert cynic. I mean, even the, when he made the Pro Bowl, I was kind of like, ah, okay, he kind of just made, made a lot of tackles. But then the next year, I thought he was really good. Uh, I think that was 2018 was, uh, was that year. And, and then last year, you know, there, there was that step back. But I actually, the last two seasons, I definitely came around on, on Schobert uh, as, as far as, you know, in his role in the middle linebacker. Scott, were you going to say something? I was just going to ask who you're – I don't think we've gotten to your guy yet. Are you putting it off? I'm, I'm putting it off. No, okay. So can I make the case then for uh, kind of the collective where you lose Joe Schobert, but then you also lose Christian Kirksey? Can I make the Christian Kirksey case? I, yeah, I, think, sure. this, I think this is a guy – he was a – what was he, a third-round pick um, back in 2014, one of the, the kind of Ray Farmer hits, I ended up signing an extension. It was actually Sashi Brown that gave him that extension, so Andrew Barry was around for that. Uh, but, but this is a guy that was kind of, kind of in some ways, Joe Schobert before Joe Schobert here. You know, a guy, he wore the green sticker. He didn't miss much time. Uh, he, he was pretty reliable. He was sort of one of the spokesmen in that locker room. I know he won the Good Guy Award from us the one year. Uh, pretty active in the community just sort of as a, as a player and a guy. And look, he's been ravaged by injuries the last two years. He ended his last two seasons on IR. So I, I think we all kind of saw this coming. But I do think losing a guy like Christian Kirksey, I think, do think that leaves a hole on the field. I think it leaves a little bit of a hole in the locker room too. Can we get a dog check? A dog check? Who's <laughs> a dog check this year? So, you know, I mean, Christian Kirksey brought a lot to the table not just in terms of, of his good linebacker play, but, you know, in terms of, you know, spirit, soul, soul of the team, that kind of thing. I mean, he was a, a tremendous leader. I mean, he was a go-to guy. He was one of the longest tenured Browns on the football team. And Christian Kirksey and Joe Schobert together, uh, they did. They brought a lot of veteran leadership, especially to that room. And now that room doesn't really have that element to it. So when you say collectively losing kind of Kirksey and Schobert, that's what's kind of missing. In fact, when you look at the list of some of the defensive players that left all together, you've got a lot of guys that, that brought that veteran leadership. T.J. Carey, right? I mean, T.J. Carey, Morgan Burnett, Christian Kirksey, Joe Schobert. So now you're replacing them in, in some cases with a lot of young guys, a lot of guys that are on one-year contracts and don't have any real like strong relationships with anybody else on the team yet. Uh, so I, I think that's something that they're going to have to try to replace. Yeah, I think the veteran aspect is big because, you know, you have B.J. Goodson coming in as a veteran, but he isn't coming in with tons of success in his past. He's a guy who's had to grind for what he's gotten in a way. And, you know, he's – Kirksey was here, and even when he was hurt, he was always there. You know, he was always going out for the coin toss – um, he was just, he was present and, and making himself that veteran leader on the sideline even when he couldn't play. And you're right, who steps into that role now? Um, you have some guys on offense who can kind of be the more vocal leader now, but um, I don't know if that's Miles Garrett. I don't think so. Um, you know, Grant Delbert's a rookie. He's going to be loud probably, but he's a rookie. Denzel Ward, not a real vocal guy. So I'm not sure who becomes that on the defense, but it'll be something you know, we'll have to watch. Yeah, and, you know, I always kind of have a soft spot, too, for some of those guys who, you know, when this team was going 1-31, and 31, you know, stood at their locker after every game and, and answered 
just all the same questions because there was literally nothing else to ask when you're going one and 15 and then you're going oh and 16 and he was kind of here for all of that and uh got hurt had the hamstring injury and then last year the torn peck and and he is a guy that i think especially on the defensive side of the ball just kind of being in that locker room and watching guys interact he really was a guy that i think people gravitated to and i'm not saying this is why you you pay a guy and keep him i think the browns you know, they, they did right by him, and, you know, you, you couldn't really bring him back at the cost that he was going to have to come back at. But I do think he loved being a Cleveland Brown. I, I don't know that that was just, you know, hey, fans will love it if I say this. I, I really do think he kind of embraced being in Cleveland and, and being a Cleveland Brown. Yeah, he, he really did. I mean, I talked to him at the Super Bowl, and you could just sense that he was – he kind of knew that he wasn't coming back. He didn't talk like that, but you just kind of got that vibe that he knew he wasn't coming back. And he was genuinely sad about that because he did. He really did love it here. He was, uh, you know, he was Cleveland. He fit in so well with the fans. The fans absolutely loved him. And I think you're right, Dan. He genuinely wanted to be here when things got turned around. And it didn't matter what was going on in the offseason. He always, always, he was like a Browns fan. He always believed that success was just on the horizon no matter what if the coaching staff just got blown up or who was coming or going he he believed that this was going to be the year that it happened the other thing about Christian Kirksey is that he he was kind of the glue that held a lot of guys together I mean when Jamie Collins came in Jamie Collins came from the Patriots came from the Patriot way didn't have any friends on the team Christian Kirksey immediately, immediately got close to Jamie Collins, Collins and made him feel like part of the football team and brought him into the fold and made sure that, you know, that he was one of the guys. And, and Christian, like, really got Jamie uh, very quickly into that, like, family vibe. Uh, and, and he did that with a lot of people. And he was very protective. He was very, very protective of other players on the team. He would call me out for like, if I had to write, right. I mean, he did. When, I, when I had to write about like Johnny Manziel or other things like that. I mean, he would have a problem with that because he was protective of his players. And that is what you would expect from a team leader. I think and, it was Kirksey who, who uh, made the prediction in 2016. They were not going, we're not going winless. Pretty right. sure that was, that was the year that right. Isn't it interesting that we all picked defensive players here. You know, it kind of goes back to the uh, to earlier this offseason and, and all the big-name players the Browns brought in happened to be on offense. And we were looking at the defense and wondering, you know, are these guys you – know, is this it? You know, <laughs> is Carl Joseph it? You know, is, is V.J. Goodson it? And uh, I think that's why we all end up picking defensive players here because there's so many questions left on the players that they did bring in that we're kind of thinking – that that's where, that's where their, you know, their departures are going to be missed the most. Well, Dan wanted to say Greg Robinson. You guys hang back. I'm going to spend the next 10 minutes making the case for Greg Robinson. Okay. <laughs> he decided against it, but that's where he was going to go. All right. Uh, that'll do it for this edition of our 20 questions on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Check these out every day. Go to cleveland.com slash browns to see the posts where one of us kind of makes our case uh, to answer these questions, make sure you're subscribed everywhere and check out Football Insider as well. For Mary Kay and Scott, I'm Dan, and we will talk to you guys later. Bye.